A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello, listeners. Welcome to this World Game Changers podcast episode where today I have a returning guest, a lady from Australia, Lisa Jane. Lisa, very warm welcome to you as ever. Thanks, Paul. I'm really enjoying these little chats we're having. It's been very enlightening and exciting. Absolutely, they are. And listeners, you may recall this mini-series of five. This is the uh, number four. And it's all focused around some very... Very powerful stuff, an interesting word, powerful, because that encapsulates Lisa's book, The Emotionally Powerful Mother. And what we thought we'd do, we create our own little subtitle around this miniseries called The One Thing. And so on this particular one, The One Thing, we decided a new culture of relationships Lisa, that sounds really intriguing, a new culture of relationships. Where do we even start with that? (laughs) That's big, isn't it? Um, And yet culture is quite a good word to describe the framework or the paradigm that we're in with relationships because it's, it's so we're not even quite aware. It's almost like we're in a house and the framework of the house is the way that we're in a relationship and we do all of our things in that house, you know, like we upgrade the carpet, we get new furniture, we might, you know, build another room and we do all these things within this framework of relationship. And that's how, that is created by our culture. And what I discovered is that I can actually open the door and walk outside of the house and my experience of relationships is completely different. But I didn't even know that that was there. So the culture of relationship for me was something that started to change the whole way I was in relationship. The foundations were different. The words I used were different. The outcomes were different. The experience was different. And that, that's definitely a cultural thing. And when I talk to mums, I think culture is a very important word because a lot of mums feel quite powerless when you think of the culture that's facing their daughters at the moment, the social media and the devices. And yet I explain that if we can create an alternative culture, something that is so enticing, rather than fighting that culture or trying to change the culture that we don't like, actually starting to create a new culture, something that is so much more um, fulfilling and rewarding. Um, And I think for anybody, not just for mums, I think it's so much more fruitful to put your energy into creating what you do want rather than fighting against a culture that you don't want. Mm. To bring in our uh, frequently used word, certainly from my own perspective, this four-letter F word, this dirty four-letter F word, maybe I need to drop the dirty because actually, you know, fear... It's maybe not so dirty. It's a part of us. And maybe, listeners, maybe embracing it more and, and nurturing that fear within us. You know, fear, I think it's fair to say, can be a really bad master 
but a good servant. And it's learning to embrace it, isn't it? So let's, yeah, I'm going to drop the word fear. Uh, sorry, I'm going to drop the word dirty, not the word fear. Um, and bring that in because listening to you speak there, Lisa, what was coming through to me was when we have a situation that is, is fear driven, we tend to generally fight it with fear brackets ego don't we you know i'll overcome this i'll win this battle you know it becomes a battle of the wills of the mind mm. but the reality mm. is it not that the only way we overcome fear is with love and to nurture it and to cherish it and you know so embracing that word fear hence dropping the word dirty and saying okay listen you've got a part to play now in, in my life dance with me be part of it but you're not my master any thoughts on that? Mm, absolutely. Because this is really bridging the, the culture that we have at the moment and our feeling world because our culture does encourage us to um, resist, deny, try to control, try to, try to, you know, make things happen our way, especially when we're fearful. And yet if we can bridge that gap between what our culture tells us to do with our feelings and our feelings ourselves, then we feel more whole and fulfilled and rewarded. And we also have more empowerment in this moment because we're one with what's happening with us. We're in and more of an acceptance. We can actually step into a flow with fear. So what I'd encourage people to do that feel fear, because we all know, or I shouldn't say that, but most people go, well, fear is not healthy. We don't want to be run by fear. And yet sometimes as a human being, fear can come up and it can be incredibly debilitating. So what do you do with that? You know, how do you deal with fear when your culture tells you all of these ways to deal with fear and now you're hearing, but hang on a minute, let's not do that. Let's actually make friends with it. Let's dance with it. Mm. How do you actually do that with a feeling? You know, and, and that is, I believe, that's what emotion education is all about. Because these are the, um, the, the skills and the tools that we learn when we start to really educate ourselves emotionally. For me, fear is something that, you know, I, I'll often say to myself, well, why wouldn't you feel afraid? Why wouldn't you feel afraid? Because there are certain pressures on me as a mum in the 21st century that would very well make me feel very afraid. It's okay to feel afraid. But what is this? opportunity that I have here now rather than reacting from fear and trying to control my external circumstances how can I use that fear to grow how can I look at that and go what do I need to investigate inside me so that I'm not actually reacting from fear and that that for me is a very powerful way of dealing with fear because you know our mind will you know, especially if we've done a little bit of spiritual work and, and we've done self-development and mindset work, we'll go, okay, we, we can't feel that. We know that's fear, false evidence appearing real and let's do this. But the thing is we've had a feeling and it's in the, the validation and the allowing and the acceptance of that feeling that we actually allow it to process. And that's ultimately what I've found is very empowering much more empowering than trying to control it and change my outside world to stop the fear. Mm. It's embracing that energy, isn't it? That's attached mm. to them. That's the key thing that's kind of, you know, that's what's going off underneath the bonnet of a car, so to speak. You know, it's the real stuff, isn't it? We might not see it, 
And I use that example of an engine uh, underneath the bonnet because that, for me, is the heartbeat of what's really going on. But just because we can't mm. see it, we tend to, oh, it's, you know, the engine's okay. It's ticking over. <laughs> yeah, but it builds up, doesn't it? It's like you can't run your car like that without lifting up the bonnet and having a look every now and then and having a tink around and sort of, you know, giving it a bit of a tune-up. Eventually something's going to break. Eventually something's going to blow. Mm. And it is a really good analogy because it's um, it's exactly what happens to all of us if we ignore something or, you know, and like that's like this, and I, I listened to a podcast the other day and they were talking about with our health, human beings often will feel little niggles and we go, oh, that's all right, we won't do anything about that. And another little niggle, oh, I won't do anything about that, oh, I won't do anything about that until eventually these little niggles all add up and we have more of a, a health crisis on our hands whereas if we just come back and really looked after ourselves in the beginning and you know made some slight adjustments in the beginning maybe we wouldn't be where we are right now and I absolutely think that that is so similar to emotions we have little things that we ignore you know like even in a relationship there are little things that we don't say there are little comments that happen or little actions that our partner might do that we go oh I won't say anything or um, I'm not going to do anything about that. And those things, they have meaning. They're red flags for us to have a look at what is happening here. Because if we don't deal and address with these things that have an emotional impact, because we have a feeling when that happens, if we don't address that feeling, if we just sort of say, oh, no, I'm not going to do anything about that, you know, like, oh, it's okay, I'm just making it up or I'm overreacting or I'm whatever I'm doing, then they build up. Those things build up. And it's like so much easier to investigate it at the beginning when you first feel these little, little niggles. Pebbles in shoes is what comes to <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. Pebbles in shoes. Only small things, but you try walking a mile with them. Mm. 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 It's exactly right. Wow. So the yeah. culture of relationships. So what we're talking about here, Lisa, would this be equally applicable to the context of, uh, let, let's kind of um, stretch it, say from a romantic relationship to uh, the other end, you know, as a parent with, with our children? These principles are, are quite universal that we're talking about now, aren't they? Mm, mm, they are. So... Um... I'd love to describe, if I can, the current culture that I know I was raised in it, and I think it's fairly prevalent. Um, we see it in the majority of our movies, in our TV series. Um, people sing about it. And the culture is that in order for me to feel loved, you have to love me. In order for me to be secure, I have to get that from you. I need another person to be um, doing something, being something, giving me something in order for me to feel okay. And we start to get trained in this, conditioned in this very young. It's like if, you know, if I want to be loved, I have to perform a certain way. And I think we've had a little bit of a chat about this before. And what happens is this, this actually, and let's go a little bit deeper in this. So we may have an awareness around these dynamics, which I call victim, persecutor, rescuer. And we might be aware that, um, you know, if I'm really angry at my partner because they haven't put the toilet seat down or they've left a mess in the sink and I'm, I'm persecuting them, 
you know, they are going to take that role of being the victim. And so you've got this power dynamic happening. And this is normal, right? I, I remember when I was 38, my partner said to me, why are you going angry? How why are you getting so angry at me? How can I support you if you're shooting arrows at me? And I'm like, oh, wow, I'd never, ever been told that before. Like, that makes so much sense. I want to be on the same team with him. And yet I have this reaction when something is not to my liking, when something is out of my control and when he's done something to annoy me, I have this reaction that actually makes him my enemy. But wouldn't it make so much more sense that I don't make him my enemy because really the world is a pretty chaotic place to be able to have a partner that I feel emotionally safe with and that I feel like we're on the same team, that sort of makes you feel like you can get through anything. So this dynamic of relationship that we have, I've watched and I've worked with people and they have this, actually I'd love to tell you this story about a pumpkin. A couple of that I was working with went to the local markets and they were going to buy this pumpkin and the husband said we'll get that full pumpkin and the wife goes no we won't we'll just get a small one because there's only two of us we don't and he goes no no get a big one and of course the shop assistant was there and the wife was like no no we don't want the big one we want the small one and they had this argument and the husband she said just give us the big one and the shop assistant was getting confused and the woman felt very embarrassed because they were having this conversation and they couldn't agree and the assistant was you know, waiting for them. And so she went really surly and really silent and he bought his big pumpkin and they didn't talk all the way home. And she's just so mad at him. And he unpacks a pumpkin and she goes, what are we going to do with that pumpkin? And they're in their kitchen and they're just about to have this big fight. Right. And then she goes, oh, can you see what we're doing? We're actually creating VPR from this event. Like we're creating this victim persecutor rescuer dynamic. And they stopped and they looked at what they were doing. And what she figured out was that she felt insecure when the husband insisted over her, made her feel less than, made her feel insecure, and having the shop assistant wait for her to make a decision, she felt really insecure and really embarrassed. And because she felt powerless in that moment, the only way that she could see to get her power back was to start to persecute her partner. And I think this is very, very interesting because it's not so much about the victim, persecutor, rescuer dynamic we're in. We can see that dynamic because we know it feels bad. But the question is, why are you using that event to create that dynamic? Why are you using the, the, the dishes in the sink to persecute your partner? Why are you using the toilet seat being left up? to persecute your partner? Why are you using these things to create a dynamic where you can feel more powerful than that person? Because this is something in you. And when you start to get power in a healthy way, you no longer need to create those dynamics of relationship because it is all about this, this hidden level of power. I don't believe that many of us were taught how to access our true power and get power in a healthy way. So the only option that I had growing up was to create all these dynamics to make myself feel better about myself. And I think that culture absolutely sucks. It gets worse over time. It makes me feel more insecure about myself. It, it just chips away at my self-esteem and it does not create unity and harmony in my life.
which is why I think we should consider a new culture. Mm. What was landing with me there when you were speaking was um, I'm a great advocate of Robbins' six human needs model, absolute massive advocate of it. And as you was talking there, there was two of the need, two of the six needs that straight away met in that scenario, the need for certainty, brackets control, and the need for significance. And usually that what I call left side dimension, because they are on the on the left side of the scales um, as needs one and three, respectively. Um, they they really denote an underlying insecurity and vulnerability. Uh, and I can certainly relate to that from my own upbringing, uh, well, from my own insecurity and vulnerability as a result of my upbringing, uh, where I, I demanded that I controlled, you know, even with my, my alcohol, mm. I would control that in a way that it was uncontrollable. But, you know, I'd create that certainty around it where I would go in the same pub, sit in the same seat, have the same conversation, drink the same amount, and then meet <laughs> yeah. my own need for uncertainty, by just consciously switching it all or doing something really crazy like starting a fight or singing, a, you know, at the top of my voice, you know, to draw attention to myself. But what I was yeah. really doing was, was clamoring that, that control and that significance. And as I say, listening to you speak there was classic sort of certainty stroke significance, uh, you know, with what you described in the victim persecutor rescuer model. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? When we start to look deeper at some of these things that we, we just, you know, for me, like the first 37 years of my life was living a relationship based on those dynamics. And I did everything I could possibly do to change it. I meditated more. I loved my partner more. I tried loving him in different ways. You know, I was just always trying because I thought well there's two people in this dynamic if I change me I'm going to change him but what I didn't realize was I was still in the dynamic I did all this work I did all these workshops I I learned so much about myself but until I got out of that unconscious framework until I stepped outside of my house and actually saw there was a different way to be in relationship really nothing changed over time yeah hmm I want to briefly touch, Lisa, just very briefly on, on five keys, the five mm -hmm. keys, uh, which are, you know, obviously from your book, are, are part of the, you know, the new culture of relationship. Do you want to mm. kind of take us on a mini tour? Yeah, yeah. So what I realised from working with people and also from my own experiences was that, I created dynamics of relationship that were um, like persecutor, victim, rescuer. I created dynamics of relationship so that I could come back to feeling okay about myself, so that I could deal with whatever feelings I was having that were making me feel bad. And all of those things that I did, I was trying to change my external circumstances to come back to a feeling of balance or empowerment or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to use, whatever term you want to use, but it was an unhealthy way to come back to some sort of feeling okay. And, and we see this, like, this is really what we're taught, like uh, movies out. 
TV series, you know, something happens to someone, they get revenge so that they can feel okay again. This is an unhealthy use of power or they set somebody up or they um, financially bankrupt somebody else or they rip somebody off or, or, and it's not even that it's always bad either. Like sometimes we can um, be the, the rescuer. We can be the person that makes things right for everybody, but we do it because we want them to really need us. We want them to think that we're great. So we're doing a good thing, but the motive underneath is to get this sense of feeling empowered because we perceive that that feeling can only come from outside of ourselves. So one of the things that I noticed was if we understand that we're trained to come back to a state of feeling okay about ourselves externally, and if we need to change that, what, what I believe the next step is, the new culture is, it's like, well, how do I generate power in a healthy way? How do I come back into my true self, my source of power within me, which I believe is, is very heart-based? How do I come back into this source of power that I have that makes me feel strong and courageous and self-knowing and self-assured? How do I get there? And what often happens is, and we've mentioned this before, in order for me to be there, I have to have dealt with the feelings that I have that separate me from that place. So often I'll have a feeling reaction. I'll step away from my true self. I'll try to fix it with the outside world, which doesn't work. Things get worse and worse and worse. If I have something happen to me and I have a feeling reaction, how do I learn rather than trying to manipulate, control, change, or act out in my external world, how can I, in a feeling state, actually turn around and step back into my true self? What do I need to be able to do with the feeling reaction that I have so that I can come back into my true power? And that's why I wrote the five keys, because there are five things that when we do them and we practice them all the time, can actually bring us back into our true self. You know, some of them I've already mentioned, like just seeing things as an opportunity because we need to use that moment between the event and the reaction that I have, that point of pure potential. Let's use that little moment to actually not react but to turn around and have a look at what is it in us that's been activated. Here's an opportunity for me to actually access my true power and take my power back in this moment. And when we can do that, when we give ourselves that space, we diffuse the emotional charge. And then the other keys are identifying why. Why was it that I put myself in a position to be hurt? Why was it that I couldn't see the red flags over that person? You know, those red flags, you know, and like all of that has to do with my unmet emotional needs. So this is all really understanding where the gap is in me, where the emotional need is in me that I'm not meeting myself, where I'm not stepping into my whole self and owning that part of myself and I'm trying to get somebody else to do it for me. But being able to see where the gap is like, oh, wow, that's, that's me not feeling loved. You know, I'm doing that because I don't feel loved. Oh, okay. And then the, and the, the last key is actually starting to really understand when I, when I can locate that unmet need, when I locate that separation, 
and find that part of me that's trying to go outwards rather than coming in to soothe myself and regulate myself, then doing that for me, generating that feeling in my body, actually meeting my own emotional need and filling myself up so I start to feel my own empowerment, so I start to live from a place of wholeness. And then every action I take after that, when I start to live that that state of being, what I'm doing from that place is I'm creating more connection in my life because I'm more connected to me. I'm creating more harmony in my life. I'm using my own power to help others and to be out in the world. I'm not needing other people to be anything so that I feel okay. So my love becomes unconditional rather than conditional. And I also get much better outcomes and much better results because I'm launching things from this platform of empowerment rather than a platform of fear or not good enough or insecurity or wanting to feel safe. So really it's all about how we're operating with our emotions in those moments. And and even though, and I know like especially as a mum, you go, oh, my gosh, another thing I have to do. But you know what? It's actually our natural way. It is actually our natural way to have a, a moment in time where we're uncomfortable, to roll with that, to grow from that, to learn from that, to evolve from that, to activate more of our power from that and to live naturally in life like that. And it does become very natural. It becomes something that you do naturally. Like, yes, at the beginning, it's like practice. You know, it's like any muscle, when you're building any muscle, you need to practice. But the thing is, it is our natural way because we become part of this beautiful emerging process of the life that we are living rather than the culture that we have now, which is more of a repetitive cycle. And if anybody's in one of those relationships, you know that you feel it over and over again. You feel these repetitive loops of, you know, oh, here I am again feeling powerless and frustrated and like he doesn't love me and, and what am I going to do about this? You know, and it's event after event after event, but it's the same feeling. And the loop actually seems to feel worse over time because that's what that dynamic does. Two words. Am I talking too much, Paul? I'm just like no. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I'm, I'm processing. I'm, I'm looking and, and listening. And um, two words that came out of that, more harmony. And as we draw to a close, Lisa, I just want to, listeners, I just want to introduce this more harmony. Because, as you know, I like to sing. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't proclaim to be a singer per se, but I do love the, the power of music, the energy of singing. And as you said those two words, more harmony, I thought, Hmm. Mm. And a song came to mind, Lisa, which is really would be um, the adopted theme tune for this five part miniseries. I think the guy's name was Maurice Albert, I think. Don't hold me to that, listeners. But his song, Feelings. Maybe, maybe we can check that one out, Lisa, on YouTube. Good old YouTube or Google. It's got the answer. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check that out. Um, just a thought, just a humorous thought. Um, anyway, that aside, contact details, Lisa. How can we find out more about you? You can find out more about me at my website, www.imlisajane.com. It's I A M 
L-I-S-A-J-A-Y-N-E.com. And if you go there, there are free resources, downloads and some videos that you might be inclined to watch. Brilliant, thank you. And as a, and I use this term very loosely now, because um, isn't this true, listeners, the more we've been in a relationship, we might get a little bit complacent and over-familiar. And I'm going to do that now deliberately, provocatively. And I'm going to say to Lisa, because you're now uh, an old hand at this, you know, this is episode four, you know, mm. so what, 30 minutes each? We've spent two hours or more together, so you're an old hand now in podcast terms. Um, yes. And I mentioned that, listeners, as I say, to close on the humorous note with the elevator. Lisa, you know about the elevator now. We've got 30 yeah. seconds to go. What will it be? It's going to be watch out for the feelings of victim, persecutor, rescuer. If you feel like, oh, this is always happening to me. Why is this happening to me? Or you want to fix something. You really, or you feel like you're walking on eggshells or you're really angry at someone. These are red flags. These are like indicators to you going, oh, hang on a minute. I'm in the wrong dynamic here. I'm in the wrong dynamic. I'm trying to get power in an unhealthy way. What's really happening inside of me? So you can use these indicators to see where am I at and what's really going on in my feeling world right now and how can I meet that need myself rather than acting out and creating this dynamic. It's a great place to start because you cannot deny those feelings. They are loud and clear. As Maurice Albert will remind us. (laughs) so there we have it listeners all that remains now mentioned the word certainty previously okay well this feeds my certainty hopefully it feeds yours as well because we always close on these with these few words remember the world's changing how will you respond thanks very much for listening to this world game changers podcast episode hopefully you found it interesting and helpful Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world is changing. How will you respond?